Everybody and welcome to the first ever Cheap Eat TV live podcast. We're streaming here on Facebook as well as the Cheap Eat TV YouTube channel. And uh, this is our first one, so I'm excited. I'm excited to have my guest with me here tonight. He is the Oracle of Ominous, the architect of intellect, the necessary evil, if you will, the one, the only. Wicked Nemesis. Wicked, welcome to the show, man. Gene, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm gonna right out of the gate, I gotta tell you, the very first time I heard the moniker the necessary evil, I was like, fuck, why didn't I think of that? That's all yep. <laughs> that was uh I came up with a uh two thousand fifteen. Good stuff. Because I was starting to I was starting to work baby faces a lot of places. So, you know, wicked nemesis very you know hillish name right i decided to come up with something to just kind of let everybody know hey it's necessary that i'm evil so that's why i'd come up with that very cool man very cool so we're uh we're fresh off of friday night's wicked havoc uh, which almost seems like it's named after you um how did that go for you how do i haven't heard any results so far how did it turn out uh i think that bishop and towers put on a, can, a candidate for match of the year you know that has been going for some time. Bishop and uh, Tower had rest Towers had wrestled at Rocket City. Bishop beat him, so we knew that it was time to come back around. And Towers has just been tearing through the Southeast, and with it, with it, that had to happen. That match had to happen at some point. Happened at Pro South at Wicked Havoc, and it was a thing of beauty. Now I, I think that match of the year so far has been Joe Black against William Huckabee, in the. Uh, the brawl for all or whatever you want to call their hardcore match where they brought in all the cars and stuff. Uh, I think that was match of the year thus far, but that has to be candidate for match of the year. Absolutely. I can't wait to get on uh, YouTube and check it out. You know, for everybody who may not know, uh, you can catch pro South wrestling on their YouTube channel, youtube.com slash pro South wrestling, all the events stream there. Uh, even the big events like Wicked Havoc. So you can go back and talk about this match that Nemesis is talking about. Um, that's certainly a match that I've been looking forward to, and, and I'm excited to get on there and check it out. Uh, oh, we know a lot of people, whenever whenever Bishop was away for uh, almost eight years, a lot of people kept saying, oh, I want to wrestle your brother. I want to wrestle your brother. This, that's my dream match. That's my dream match. Then when he came back, a lot of people were like, I don't want to wrestle him. <laughs> like, how did he come back in better shape? But that that's part but that's but that's wrestling. If you can put butts in the seats, there's no reason you gotta pull the trigger. And Ace and uh Pro South pulled the trigger on that, thankfully. Yeah, because if you don't, it's it's gonna start happening everywhere else. So if you got the opportunity, make it happen. And uh I guess that's pretty common knowledge amongst most people that Bishop's your brother, but uh man, one of the most uh incredible athletes out there on the independence today and uh so tell us a little bit about how you and your brother both ended up in the business. Uh, we made a promise to ourselves when we were very young that we would get in this business. Uh, Bishop had a tryout for the NFL Falcons. They wanted to pick him up for fullback, but he always wanted to be a wrestler. He was playing uh, arena football, too, at the time, and I was bouncing in Birmingham. Uh, we come across a stupid clown. A lot of people know out of Aniston. Uh Got in touch with him, uh, figured out that we could go train to ACW, which ACW in the late 90s, early 2000s was big in this area. I uh, had a TV deal at one point. So a lot of those guys we knew, but we knew them just from TV or, you know, in passing, we'd see them out in public, something like that, see them sign autographs. Uh, we were able to get training through there, train through Johnny Slaughter, uh, Damon Harrison, a.k.a. Damon Taz, uh, Brian Alexander, and Super D Clown trained us, and they beat the crap out of us. Now, I trained know, as a wrestler just to be a manager. Well, that's what I was going to ask. You know, a lot of guys. That's kind of the that's kind of the rib. Like uh, Reverend Dan didn't train like that. Uh, Jeff Bailey didn't train like that. I know C. Nick. All those guys that pop up, they never do that. I got put through the ringers like a dumbass. I was like, okay, like, well, if you're going to be a great manager, you got to at least be a decent wrestler. And I 
like a dumbass listened to him and decided to get the crap beat out of me for January to be 15 years. No, man, that's old school. That used to be how it was. You, used to, you didn't get in as a manager without training to wrestle, you know. I mean, I when I got in in 97, I started out as a wrestler, wrestled for several years, and eventually, you know, transitioned to being a manager. So I was curious. That was one of the main questions I had for your night was did you get in – I knew you were trained to be a wrestler. I've seen you in too many matches, but I didn't know if you got in intending to be a wrestler or transitioned to nope. manager or nope. that was always the intention. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We, uh, Bishop and I used to sit around and watch ECW back in the day, watch WCW, WWE, of course, and uh, we always were drawn to the Dudley Boys and the heat that Bubba Ray would get and the heat that Devon would get. I was like, we can replicate that. You know, we can do something like that. Uh, Bishop should already be signed by WWE. By WWE, I'm six foot three, two twenty. I'm very tall to be a manager, but uh, I've made a name for myself. That's the reason why I went with Wicked Nemesis and Bishop went with Orion Bishop because we didn't want to have that coattail. Like, oh, you're just riding his coattails and you're only booked because he's here. So we went completely different routes with it. But uh, I always wanted to be Bobby the Brain Heenan, like that was my goal. I saw him. Uh, when he used to manage Andre against Hulk, when he when Andre ripped the necklace off Hulk Hogan, I was like, "Oh, I want to be that guy. I want to be Bobby Heenan." Absolutely. I mean, anybody who's involved in wrestling, especially as a manager, you, you've got to you've got to look up to Bobby Heenan. I mean, one of the best of all times. And you talk about a guy who you know was a wrestler first. I mean, the you know Heenan would come there at the end of some of his guys' matches and steal the show with the bumps he would take, you know, the corner bump from Hogan, and he would go there and just fly all over the place. Yep. So, but uh, I think my style has become more of a Gary Hart yeah. as being this tall, intimidating figure to where, you know, just I can't flip-flop around like most people can. I'm too big, and I've had too many matches under my belt. I, hell, I've had 115 matches in 15 years. Uh, but to see what Gary Hart used to do is kind of what I have morphed into because of the simple fact of me being so big and just a punch isn't going to knock me down. And also some of the badasses I bring in, you look at some of the guys I've managed and it's just a plethora of people and different styles, different uh, experience levels. Oh yeah, definitely. And so, and then a lot of times, you know, especially being on the independence, you know, there's, there's a lot of times that you have to know that the fans in the crowd are going, hey, the manager could kick that guy's ass. He's twice the size. <laughs> you know? yep. uh, so uh, that's, that's, that makes you an even more intimidating factor on, on, you know, when you're bigger than the, your guy's opponent. But pretty much everybody you've managed have been able to hold their own. They didn't necessarily have to rely on you for your, your physicality, but it was there if they needed it. So. Exactly. And, uh, I always tell everybody, uh, even with rings on my fingers, if I punch somebody, I sell it because, I mean, you ever punch somebody in the top of the head? That hurts. Absolutely. You can break your hand very easily that way. So uh, I try to bring a little bit of realism to that. I try not to throw too many punches, a lot of chokes. When I punch you, I'm going to punch the crap out of you, and we'll just go from there. And, you know, having been trained to wrestle, it, it helps you as a manager because I know, you know, most of the – so-called smart fans, they're like, well, you know, they're, they don't really manage anybody. They're just out there, you know, standing around until it's time to interfere. But I'm sure you, much like myself, you there's times when you manage guys who are, you know, inexperienced and or get lost along the way. And there's times you really do act as a manager. You're directing them on what to do next in the match and, you know, where they're at. Or, hey, the crowd's not reacting to that. Stop it. Do this, you know. Uh, so having been trained to wrestle, that, I'm sure that really has helped uh, you to be a better manager and to stand out the way you have uh, throughout the independence everywhere you've gone. Uh, you look at guys like Shane Maquin, Alex Kane, Christian Pierce as of late. I've got to manage some of these younger guys, some of these uh, less experienced guys and be able to help them out. Uh, you know, if you don't have you, you need to call it in the ring, but if you can't, it's always good to have somebody that can be like the crowd's not buying it. Just cut it off. Kill that spot, take it out. Uh, Mako can attest to it as recently uh, VCW. Uh, I could tell the crowd was more into him than the other guy, and I said, "You got to do something. You got to do something to make him hate you." Right now, right now, you're getting a bigger pop than the babyface. Uh, his match where he won number one contendership. Uh, there was a part to where uh, Aiden Miles, a couple other guys were in the ring. Well, the finish was Bull or Ben Buchanan and Shane Mako. 
why the hell are they getting their big moments still this close to the end of the match? And I, you know, of course, I know smarting him up a little bit. I told him to get his ass in the ring and, and do something. I said, this is your match. If you don't get up and do something, I will. And that usually means I'm going to start swinging on somebody. I mean, I, I think that's why it's such a shame that managers are, you know, kind of getting becoming obsolete, you know, because they really have, over the years, had a very important part to play, especially in helping young guys like that find their way. And, you know, I'm not a fan of, you know, the calling it in the back, but it's a thing now. It's, it's what happens, you know. Um, but there's a lot of times, I know, especially like when I was at Pro South, managing some of the younger guys, and they would call, you know, they call the whole thing in the back. And I didn't, I would just go, I'll, I'll be there for my shit, you know. Um, and, but there was times where, like you say, they're doing, they're doing what they plan. They're doing what they plan. And you pull them aside, like this shit ain't working, man, do this, you know? Um, and that's, that's where they really start to learn, you know, but, you know, you know, as well as I do when you're young, all they're in their head, all they're thinking about is getting all that shit in. They're not even really listening to the crowd. So again, that's why it's good. The manager's there because you are paying attention to the crowd. That's all you're paying attention to is how they are reacting to what the guys in the ring are doing. And so well, I think a lot of the younger guys listen, but they don't hear you because they don't know what to, to what to pay attention to. It's just like everybody likes to give advice. I'm glad that vets like to give advice to some of the younger guys, but I've heard some of the worst advice I've ever heard in my life given. And I'm like, don't listen to them. They have no idea what they're talking about. Just don't. Just don't do it. And then you got guys like William Huckabee and Joe Black that will tell you exactly what it is and exactly what you need to fix it. And if you don't learn from them, then so be it. I think Bishop's coming to his own of that. Uh, he used to be very quiet, keep to himself. But now uh, you look around at some of the guys, some of the matches he's been a part of, you can tell he's got his fingerprints all over it. You look at a guy like James Hardy. I know a lot of people give James Hardy crap. James Hardy looks like a troll. James Hardy is ridiculously ugly but he knows his wrestling and anybody that wants to that can listen to james can pick up a lot from him but once again it's it's coming from james hardy but james hardy helps out the guys a lot too james is listening out there right now so hey james shout out to oh you. god <laughs> well i take back everything i take back everything i just said um but you make a you make a great point right there that a lot of times, and I'm not, this is not in reference to James. I'm, I'm just somebody in dressing rooms in general. A lot of times, the guys who are trying to hand out the most advice are the guys who have no business telling anybody anything about wrestling. And a lot of times, the guys who know the most are just sitting over the corner going, if they ask me, I'll tell them. If they don't, fuck them. I'm not, not going to go, you know, volunteer. Yep. Um, but as a young guy, you have to wade through all that and figure out. Who should I listen to? You know, why should I listen to them? And uh, yeah, there is a lot of bad advice given. So I'm glad you addressed that because yes, I have heard I've heard people, you know, tell people things, and immediately I go pull them aside and go, everything he just told you, don't no, don't listen to any of that. I think that goes to the WWE and Impact and AEW snatching up a lot of the veterans that have been around for some time that can teach some of these guys. They're just getting snatched up just so they won't be on TV somewhere else. And with those guys getting snatched up like that, uh, think about, used to be carloads of guys. Now you go to a show and like five guys show up in five different cars. There's no veteran, you know, to ride, to ride along with to be like, yeah, I remember we were doing this and that, and you know, the crowd come after me. So what you need to do is the, you know, one of the things that I always talk about in uh, tag team matches the hills always need to be closest to the door because you need to have that heat to escape. Right. But people don't, people aren't trained that way. And also it goes back to how you're trained. You're not trained that way. And then you're not around anybody enough that can tell you that. So then you have a match to where, let's say you're getting some heat and you have to battle your way out because there's no, uh, there's no guardrails or there's no separators. Well, logic would tell you get to the door because you still want these pants, these fans to pay. Yeah. You know, defend yourself, get your way out, but you don't have veterans around nowadays to tell young guys things like that. Like working the wrong side of the body. Oh my God. If I see one more person grab the right arm, the incorrect arm, I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. I always scream, hey, yo, as soon as that happens because it drives me insane. 
And that tells you a lot. You can learn a lot about somebody, their entrance to the ring, how they show up to a show, how they act backstage, but more importantly, their way to the ring, their entrance, how they how they carry themselves to the ring, how they carry themselves. People that show up in you know t-shirts and crop tops and uh, sandals and flip-flops and look like you know they're just somebody off the street. They don't like champions. Well, you're probably never going to be a champion because if I see you out in public, I'm like, that's a homeless guy. That's not somebody's champion. And quit calling everybody the world champion. If it's defended in Alabama or Tennessee, that's not the world champion. For the love of God. That is, that is very true. So we'll take a moment here and read some comments. We've got Noah Howe uh, commented, no lie, I've learned more in 15 minutes of a conversation with Wicked than I have from a lot of people. Um, James Hardy says thanks for the, the kind words a moment ago. And uh, Tyler Colprett, Wicked has an incredibly impeccable sense of fashion. Hashtag Colprett approves. And uh, no, Look, you want to talk about somebody. Look, Tyler. I did not realize that Tyler Colprett was Tyler Rivera. I did not. He reinvented himself. You talk about somebody going out of their comfort zone. He is prime example of somebody that completely reinvented himself into something that is now money. He had a lot going for him. Uh, that, that group of guys, you know, he, he runs around with, uh, whatever the savage generation youth, whatever. I'm not, Donnie, Donnie Janela's group. Those guys, those guys are all talented. Tyler always stood out a lot, you know, fuck Chris Crook, by the way, but with all that, it all stood out. But, now he's on a whole nother level. Now he's able to go out and actually make money. You can put Tyler, you can put any belt on him. You don't need a belt on him. Uh, I saw the review where he said he had an off night Friday night. You know, there were a few bumps here and there, but uh, don't hold that against the kid. I don't think one, one slip up, two slips up, slip ups in a match means that much. The crowd was still entertained, but he went out and reinvented himself into what he is now. The Tyler Colprett, as I didn't know until recently because I was a culprit because the pun, yeah, I but know. I heard it on commentary and I'm like, I hope that's the right way to say it. Cause Tyler, if you're listening right now and apparently you are, you commented, I definitely want to have you on the show. You're a guy that's on my short list of people I want to have on because I'm amazed at the transformation that he's made. Just like, just like you said, wicked. And I think guys could really learn from that. Like if you're doing something and it's not overwhelming anybody, it's not getting you the bookings you want. It's not getting the reaction of the crowds you want reinvent yourself man you're not you don't have to be that same guy your entire wrestling life if it's not working do something else and man tyler is a guy like you said for somebody like you that's in the business that's as smart as anybody could uh, you know want to be not realize you know you're around him as much as you probably were before you realize that that just shows that is a hell of a transformation and kudos for that tyler that's uh it's very impressive and it's, and it's obviously working for him because Brothers popping up everywhere, like every yes. I see posters all day, every day, and he's popping up on them. And usually he's he's got a belt with him now. So kudos for that, man. You know, there's a lot of people that are in the running for Georgia wrestling history for uh, uh, uh the best the uh, what is what shit what is it called uh getting better whatever the fuck it's called most they've improved. they've got yeah most improved towers I think is the best I think Tyler Culprit is right behind him. Uh, you look at what uh, Homa Bear Hansen has done recently like there's guys in the running but i think towers has what he's done whatever clicked uh during the pandemic for uh towers is just light years where he should have been like the towers that we're getting nowadays is the towers that we always wanted and some of us knew we could get at some point yeah so, you know a lot of guys have made this pandemic work for them you know they, they took this time to you know develop their character develop their ring work and um, and they're coming out the other side of it. Not that we're out of it by any stretch of the imagination, but um, much better, much more marketable. And, uh, yeah, Towers is a guy that I saw a long while back, and it's one of those guys you look at like, well, he's got a lot of potential. I mean, he's, you know, he's young and he's just getting started. And then I've watched some of his recent work, and like you said, leaps and bounds, even from five months ago. It's, you know – different guy almost so kudos to all these guys that are out there busting ass and, and set an example for the other people who are happy with just you know being stagnant and doing what you do what you've always done in the same places for the number of years you know 
there's uh, there are several people, like I said, that that, but it took a different form of uh, intuition, a different form of pushing yourself to get better during the pandemic. Because a lot of people, you know, could have gotten worse. Uh, there were a lot of places not running at that time. Uh, I think Pro South helped out tremendously by taking a couple of weeks off, you know, getting their guidelines together and then jumping right back into it. Uh, there was a lot of content out there. You can see a lot of people grow. Alex Kane grew during that time. Shane Mako, uh, Christian Pierce, Towers, of course. Uh, I think that Ace bringing in uh, Southern Strong Style and uh, J2 Strong and Proc, Proc Johnson. I think that uh, Proc is a name that you'll hear for the next 15 years. The guy reminds me so much of Rick Steiner. It's unbelievable. And he listens. That's one of those things. That guy listens to what anybody says. Any critique he can take and run and get something that he can change himself just a little bit. You know, I don't want to go into the whole thing here, but kudos. To, you mentioned his name. Kudos to Christian Pierce for coming through that whole ordeal that he went through. <laughs> and not, and not just oh, I got to get a cigarette for this. Hold on. I got a cigarette for this. Like I said, we don't have to, we don't have to go there. But I'm no, saying, no. I like that guy. Let me say something, Gene. He Gene, when that come out, that was a hit job because he was just about to wrestle Brian Pillman Jr. That's exactly what that was. He had he had he's about to have the moment of his life. He's about to have his day in the sun after you know eating crap. You know, and we've all been through Mickey Henry's. You know, Mickey Henry's a legend. But if you've been in Mickey Hendry's for longer than two months, you're like, oh, boy. And he did that. He ate crap for a long time, you know, just getting bookings here and there. He come out. That happened. He took it on the chin. But I knew something was going on. I knew for a fact. And then I found out talking to a couple of people, I realized, yeah, it was Dump Sanders and Chris Crunk that had put that together. And it was just to go after Christian because they knew Ace Haven was about to make a bunch of money because Brian Pillman Jr., and Christian, we're going to have an amazing match. That's what it was. Well, he's bounced back, and he's you know he's staying at it. He's back on Pro South now, and uh, so good for him. I, you know, I'd like to have him on here someday too. I'm not, I don't mean to use this show to scout for future guests, but while we're you know while we're mentioning it, and uh, and Tyler just mentioned here that uh, the Pro South locker room is in tip top shape right now for sure. They have a stacked roster, and uh, Noah Howell has said back to what we were mentioning a few minutes ago. Uh, Towers is on fire right now. When I saw him before that rematch with Logan in the summer, I've never seen him more motivated in three years I've known him. He's definitely reaching the next level. Uh, his match with Joe Black is what kick-started it. After that match, I told him, I pulled him aside. I was like, that's the Towers that we need. That's the Towers we've been waiting for, and it's just been just nonstop since then. I think uh, a lot of people forget guys like Joe Black. I think Joe Black may be the standard barrier, probably the best going in the Southeast. Uh, I pitched the idea of Joe Black and Orion Bishop in Antarctica. I think they could do it. I don't think even Polar Bears would miss any with those two guys. If Metallica can do a concert in Antarctica, Joe Black and Orion Bishop can wrestle there. There you go. Let's make it happen, folks. So, all right. So, let's go back to, you know, we kind of talked about how you started and who somebody, you, know, you said Bobby Heenan was a um, – <coughs> somebody you looked up to, but you came more yes, sir. in the mold of Gary Hart. So you're known as, as one of the guys in the business in the last 10, 15 years that you've been in it that goes out and gets real heat. You know what I mean? And you're not scared to go after that heat. A lot of guys, they either want to be liked or they're just afraid of what the consequences are. And they'll push it just as far, but they'll stay short of really pissing anybody off. So, you know, you've had people come over the rails. You've been in fights. You've, you've had to, uh, you know, have be escorted from the building. So, um, like you said, a lot of that was brought on uh, by watching the Dudleys and seeing how they just went for it like that. They didn't give a fuck. They would fight. But I never cussed. I never cussed. That was what I always told everybody. Anybody can go out there and be like, you got mother and just go. People, you can go out and do that. You can go out and drop every, and that's going to get cheap heat. And the Dudley boys did that. I just took it just. I was like, let me take this back. Let me, instead of cursing, get that cheap, let me really make them want to want to see me get my ass kicked and pay to get my ass kicked. That's why my matches are spread out because it should be for that. A manager shouldn't be going out there just to get himself over. That's stealing heat. That makes you a valet. 
But if I can have those people that still come back, like next week, he's going to get his. Me and my mom are going to pay this money to go see him get his butt kicked. Then my job's done because it's about making money. You don't want to run off fans enough to where they just, you don't want that, as they say, X-Pac heat where you're like, I'm just not coming back. Yeah. He flipped us off. He did this. He did that. Yes, I've fought fans. I've fought wrestlers. That's just how it goes. I mean, I thought this was the uh, the sport of men, the sport of gods. So we handle it that way. I mean, this is one of the most violent sports out there. It's a less violent form of Shakespeare. So sometimes somebody's got to get you know, a black eye, busted nose, or you got to beat the shit out of Paul Lee. That's just how it goes sometimes. We're getting to that story too, by the way. Uh, don't worry about that. Um, so while we're here, we can kind of compare notes because we never really had a chance to do this before. But, <clears throat> you know, you and I have been compared by people I know in the past as, as two people who have been known to get a lot of heat and not scared of the heat. And people have asked me, like, well, what's the secret to that? So I, I want to kind of compare notes with you here and see if you find this to be true. Because this is what I have found to be true and could kind of be the secret to that. And if people have said this out loud, and I, they've said it about you as well. Um, the secret is making those people believe what you say, as in you mean it, as in... The rest, and then this is this is actually an example I was giving one time. Like, well, the rest of these guys go out here and play bad guy, but Gene's really an asshole because he means that shit he says. He doesn't like us. He thinks we're you know rednecks or whatever the hell it is he said. And so, you know, I, I always everywhere I went, I always had as much heat with the wrestlers' families as I did with the regular fans because they thought you know I meant everything I said, and usually I did. I wasn't really that far off. Um, but I've always gotten that same vibe from you. When you go out there and say stuff, it's not just a bunch of generic cheap heat manager stuff. Although that's ironic because I call the show cheap heat because 16 years ago, an announcer on a show said that I'm all about cheap heat. And I made that my brand for the next 15 years online because <laughs> I thought it was funny and I thought it stuck it up his ass. Um, but I always got that from you is where people are like, wow, he really doesn't like us. He really means that shit he says and he really doesn't give a shit what we think you know um do you find that to be true that the 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 thing of it is is to come off real to come off honest and that people believe that you really mean every bit of that shit you say it ain't you know shtick for lack of a better word uh, i think your gimmick needs to be an extension of yourself i think uh wicked nemesis just enoch turned up to 11 and enoch is jeremy turned up to 40 you know, uh, when you have when you're having multiple personalities like that and having multiple gimmicks, you're able to bury that within something. But it's still an extension of me. I'm very standoffish. I'm a yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Type of person. But I'll punch you in your face if you don't tell me thank you. If I hold the door for you. Like, you know, if you're if you're running up doing 40 miles an hour going down the street and there's an old lady walking, I'll help the old lady cross the street. And I'm going to turn around and drag you out of the car. Steal your money. And steal your car and then go about the rest of my day like nothing happened. So I am not a good person. So wicked nemesis. And it kills me when people always like, people used to tell me all the time, you're my idol. Well, your parents are screwed up because <laughs> I am one of the absolute worst people in the world. I just tell everybody the truth. You know, it's right the opposite of uh, Henry Rollins' liar. You know, I'll lie and I keep lying. No, I figured out a long time ago, people hate the truth even more. And maybe it was a lot of watching, uh, getting ready to bring in the Enoch Tessarian gimmick. Uh, I had to watch a lot of David Koresh, had to watch a lot of Jim Jones, a lot of Adolf Hitler. And you learn a lot from some of the worst people in the world of how to talk to people. If you're the truth, you can tell the truth straight to somebody's face and them still not believe you. But if you tell somebody the truth and they believe it, then you've got them. And the fans really believed that I thought whoever I was managing was the best. And if you disagreed with it, we're cool. But if you cross a line, I'm going to punch your baby in the face. And they knew that. I mean, uh, having, like Patrick, having a heart attack at Peach State. Like I had been coming to Peach State all those years and just dropped in the middle of one of my promos. They called the cops. I had to be arrested at the next show. Like I had to be arrested. Not for show, but just for the cops to be like, man, we got to give them something. And if you can get that where the cops are like, we have to feed these people something. Like they had a stack of actual mail 
not emails, actual mail sent to the cops telling them that I had killed a man. I thought I was Johnny Cash. I killed a man in Reno just to watch him die. And I had to pay for it. I had to go down there high as a kite and go in this police station in Carrollton with all these cops. <laughs> Put me in a paddy wagon and everything. Told Shane Knowles when the greatest thing he could ever do was just let that go and just be like, let's just see where it goes. Right. Because the steel cage match, hell, we put 375 people in that, uh, in uh, the fairgrounds, VFW fairgrounds. That's good shit, man. Uh, and, you know, something you, anybody listen to this, <clears throat> something you touched on a minute ago, if you're honest with yourself, the most hated people in the world are some of the most honest people in the world yep. because they tell you the truth. And yep. some of the most beloved people in the world are the biggest liars on earth. And that's why people absolutely because they tell people what they want to hear, not the truth. And that's, that's, that's that is dead on, you know, right there. Um, the secret to life in general. It ain't just wrestling folks. That yeah, is, that's just life. Yeah. That is every day real life advice right there. Um, so I was going to push this off to the end, but I don't know how long the story is. And I want to get this in for sure. Because it's <laughs> a fucking piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> That's why I tell everybody. I, I hate Chris Crook. I hate Paulie. And I hate Dump Sanders. Other than that, I have no problem with anybody in wrestling. <laughs> Paulie, tell us the story. Okay. So he was on Facebook talking shit at a Toys for Tots benefit to Damon Taz. We all know Damon Taz is a youth minister. Very super, 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 super nice guy. Would not hurt anybody. Uh, got to join with him on Facebook. Uh, I come in like seven hours after it happened. By then, the entire, uh, you know how Dan Sawyer would just put up the posters and just let it go. And that'd be his way of promoting And People would go in there and comment on it. You know, I look on there and there's 83 comments on this poster seven, hour, seven hours after it went up. Well, I see that Paul Lee has went after Damon Harrison, went after Damon Taz. I like Damon. And I cannot stand a bully. I can't stand someone that will bully somebody that won't defend themselves, especially. Damon can, but he chose not to. Right. So I told him that I would see him that Sunday because this was a bar show. It was a Toys for Tots. Uh, it was in Birmingham. Uh, half the building was a bar. The other half is uh, it was like a little storage area where we were changing that area uh, we get there that Sunday. Everything goes off. Uh, show's really good. We raise a lot of money for Toys for Tots. Uh, Trevor Eon, who I call Doom, he will always be Doom to me, no matter how famous he gets. Doom is standing beside me. He's like, wicked. He's like, that guy's a racist or he can't stand one of us. And I don't have my glasses on. So I give him the little squint. I'm like, oh, that's Paul Lee. I was like, yeah, he, he thinks he wants to fight me. He's like, man, he's staring a hole through us. We go outside, we're signing autographs because it's time I'm working babyface at GCW. Right. Uh, there's, a, there's a line of kids lined up for this Toys for Tots benefit for an autograph from Wicked Demesis. As I'm standing there signing autographs, you know, I'm making sure every kid is going to get an autograph from me. Uh, he comes up to me and says, hey, I think we need to talk. I said, I guess we fucking do. Uh, he tells me that my mouth is writing uh, checks my ass can't cash. I look around and see all these kids. I'm like, hey, I don't want to fight in front of the fans. Let's go inside. Now, here's where I fuck up. I go through the doors. I take my leather jacket off and cross my arms. Paulie walks in and just punches me in the face as hard as he can. I guess he thought he would drop me. Right. I was a bouncer for seven and a half years. My brother's Orion Bishop. Have you seen me? <laughs> so I take the punch. I immediately just look up, like stunned, get him in a front face lock, and uh, we start tossling and we go through a table at this point everybody comes running out people in their underwears dan was paying people everybody uh comes out to see us uh on we're kind of side by side uh i get on top of him and my weed pipe rolls out so i'm like oh god uh leon leon the bull stressor who was a cop at the time probably still is but was in the dressing room with us uh chris knox reaches down to grab my pipe and paul lee i guess thinks he's going to jump in and when Paul reaches out to grab it, uh, Chris, I hook Paul Lee's arm. Now I have him. Right. I hit him three times as hard as I can, and he just explodes on the first one, and I'm just covered in blood. It looked like Dexter. Like, it was just all over me. So when I see blood, I instantly snap. Punch him two more times. Uh, he starts taking my hair and trying to pull it and trying to pull it because my mohawk is spiked up at the time. And then uh, he grabs my uh, necklace and starts tightening it. Uh, my skull necklace I have has a leather band to it. 
and um, everybody's getting ready to break it up because he's just pulling hair. He's gushing blood. And Micah Taylor stops everybody and says, no, this has to happen. Everybody, I didn't realize who the fuck Paulie was, but I just knew that I have this guy at my mercy. As he tries to choke me with my necklace, have you ever seen uh, Dirty Work with Norm MacDonald? Yes. The Saigon whore that bit my nose off. <laughs> I do not eat pork. I don't eat pork. I don't eat bacon. <laughs> I put my teeth on his nose and was, a bite, was about to bite his fucking nose off. He was going to lose that nose. And he started screaming, get him the fuck off of me. He's about to bite my fucking nose off. And that's when Leon leans in and says, don't, he says, wicked, don't make me be a cop. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> We stand up. Uh, I realize my hair has just been pulled all over the place. I'm covered in blood. Everybody thinks it's me. Uh, they separate. The separators put Paulie on one side of the building, me on another. And the way it was, there were mirrors all over the side. I look. I start fixing my hair, and I said, hey, Paul, how does it feel to get your ass beat by a fucking manager? And everybody loses it. Well, at that time, he could have come running at me. But he's just gassed because I've just been on top of him, just pounding his fucking face in. Yeah. Uh, we get to the back. I go to wash off, and I see Luke Gallows come in. Luke Gallus is like, wicked, what the fuck? You beat up my ride. And I said, Mr. Gallus, you know, I've always loved you. I always respected you and Amber. You know, you guys have always been super nice to me. Amber Neal, his former wife. I was like, but that motherfucker doesn't belong in the business. And I'm going to fucking kill him the next time I see him. I was like, I'm going to finish the job. And he's like, wicked, just, just calm down and have a good day. They leave. They forget because it's a bar. Uh, Paul Lee had opened a tab. They have to come back an hour and a half. And then on the way back, they have a flat tire and they sit on the side of the road for three hours. Oh my God. And then I saw Paul Lee at a uh, monstrosity championship wrestling with the young lions. And he decided then that he's like, Oh, I'm about to try to do something. Well, he takes his shirt off and you know, it's cold in Atlanta that year. And midway through, I hear him start to cough. He ends up getting the flu by trying to f literally flex on me <laughs> at monstrosity. With him and his sons, and the next time we were going to have an interaction is whenever the Young Lions actually mailed the titles, the tag team titles, to Shane Knowles because they didn't want to face the Sevenfold Saints, Clyde Braddock, and Stephen Styles because they knew that I was going to be there and they didn't want to have anything to do with me. So, like two pussies, they just mailed the titles to Shane Knowles. That happened, and I got to go out and cut an amazing promo against them. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. I've, I've heard various versions of that story over the years so i wanted to hear it straight from the man himself well his his story is that he had a steel cage match the night before and gigged himself and that's why he got busted open he was getting busted open no matter what he had no marks on his head until i got up off of him so i know his shoot interview he called me all these names said i hit him first no like a dumbass i come in across my arms and gave him the first punch and we went to town what a shitbag that guy is. I mean, like... I, I hate him. I hate him so bad. I mean, we could do an hour and a half about why he's a scumbag, but, it, I mean, it, he doesn't deserve the time. But I, just, I did do an hour I did do an hour and a half of that on GrappleVision, Robbie Vio's uh, old channel. Him and V and Fuso, uh, Social Injustice Warrior, actually did an entire hour and a half of me where we talked about Flair selling the title to him for $10,000 with his painted fans on the wall. Talked about him finding the purple heart of the wounded warrior and wanted to sell it back to him. Talked about him running for mayor when he didn't even live in Ringgold. It was his mom's house that he was supposedly living in. And he had been moved out for years. Yeah, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. I know people think it's funny. I don't think it's funny. I think he's a detriment to this business. People always talk about, well, Orange Cassidy is a detriment to our business. What the Young Bucks are doing, no. Jim Cornette's a piece of shit because he put Paul Lee over, but yet he still has something to say about the Young Bucks and these guys. Wrestling changes. That needs to change. It needs to be shots and put somewhere. It needs to be hidden off on a golf course somewhere where a goddamn crocodile can take his hand off or something. <laughs> yeah, uh like you said, the, the shit goes on and on and on with him, and the fact that he's allowed to stay in the business and continue to perpetrate his bullshit ridiculous. Because people think that shit's funny. Yeah, that's all it is. I they have... think it's they think it's a real thought. Oh, let's bring in Jim Cornette. We'll have him put Paul Lee over. You're an idiot. That is more detrimental to this business than Orange Cassidy going out with his hands in his pocket, kicking people in the shins. That's entertaining. Nothing Paul Lee does is entertaining. No, it's sad and pathetic. It, yeah. Anyway, he's a ripoff of a ripoff. Exactly. So we'll we'll move on from there. Uh, <laughs> 
So Noah Howe, uh, after just hearing that story, says, uh, first time I've heard the story, and now Wicked is even more of a hero for this. Um, I have to tell the story like once a year, by the way. Charles Xanders put, is Wicked allowed because, and in true Xanders fashion, he spelled aloud A-L-O-U-D. Oh, Xanders. Damn it. Um, <laughs> was that- <laughs> said, was that a Happy Gilmore reference? LOL. And then David Emery has put, I was there Amos wiped his ass at the bar. This is Amos Moses. Wicked slammed his ass through a table. Funny as hell. Love you, Wicked. Best manager of all time. Thank you for listening tonight. Amos Moses. See, you got Shane Mako in the house. You got Charles Anderson. Charles Anderson, Gene, I know you and Charles are super close. Tell him to get his gear. I know him and Scott have been tearing it up in the gym. Tell him to get his gear and get his crap together and get back in the ring. I'm so tired of hearing him talk about, oh, wrestling this, wrestling that. Do something, Xanders. God, change it. Do something about it. I talk to Xanders every day. I talk to him more than I do anybody outside of Shane Mako, Joshua Hagen, and Orion Bishop. Xander's he, he's a good dude and he's a talented guy, but he's another one of these guys that he's going to say what he's going to say what he thinks, you know, whether it's to his detriment or not. And some folks don't appreciate that, especially the people who don't like honesty. So, you know, it is what it is. So, wait a minute, let's see. He just made another comment. Let's, Wicked has a butt chin from Charles Xander's. So, I'm sure, y'all can talk about that later. Um, taking his was this eighth grade? <laughs> well, you you know Xander. Is it the Dirty Dozens? You would, you would Come on, Xander. From from Mister Z. But uh, yeah, but you know Charles is one of those guys that uh, he was hurt last year, uh, and he needs to be an example of guys that they say you know you should work through being injured. Well, he just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going because he just he had that momentum. And then his momentum come to a complete stop. And now here he is trying to pick his momentum back up just from an injury that he just couldn't take time off for. Like he had so much on his shoulders for Rocket City and what he was trying to do outside of Rocket City, trying to help out Scott, try to help out uh, Aiden Andrews and Dawson Kimbrell, Adam Priest, guys like that. Yeah. And all those are very talented guys too. James Hardy just posted, I still want my one-on-one with Xanders. So there you go, Xanders. One on one with James Hardy. Somebody make that happen. Nobody's going to pay to see that. Beach State, BCW. Nobody, nobody wants to pay to see. You tell me, how, Gene Jackson, how many people want to see James Hardy against Charles Anders? Just James Hardy. That's it. Now, Mako and Xanders would be money. Shane Mako and Charles Xanders, those guys could go out and make some company a lot of money. It'll happen. I, I, he, he's talking about it more and more, so I know he's getting ready to. He's getting ready to get back in there. He's he's building up to it. But like you said, he needs that kick in the ass to get him there. So, so maybe your words will ring in his head until he until he makes. I tell it. him this all the time, Gene. You talk to him as much as I do. Tell him all the time, same thing. Yeah, it's one of those things. He'll do it when he decides to do it. Not not a moment before, and nobody else is going to talk him into it because he's he's hard headed, but he knows that. Um, so tell us a little bit about, I, I don't know a lot about VCW, kind of out of the loop. So tell us a little bit, for people listening who may not know fans, and a lot of people are, I mean, some people are checking this out live, but more people are going to, you know, see it in, you know, in the audio form and later on, you know, it's going to take a little while to build up our live audience. But for the people who are seeing this, whenever they're seeing it, uh, tell us a little bit about VCW. Uh, we just had our final match in Mumford. October seventeenth, uh, leading up to the to the cage match, that was five months worth of booking, being skits, every match, every promo, everything had to do to lead up to that to that steel cage match. That was October seventeenth. Now they are moving to Gadsden to the Gadsden Mall, and they're going to be running uh, there, I believe, starting December. But what was weird is VCW has a lot of young talent. They use talents that are training. They actually have trainees, uh, Joshua Hagen. One of the best trainers, if not the best trainer, going today. And with the guys that he was helping out at VCW, look at like Jacob Danger, Big Smooth, uh, Justin Flo. You look at hell, what even Jay Impact has done as Legato Vaughn. Uh, now that he has been going to training, I mean, talk about reinventing yourself. Uh, those guys, they've had a lot of young guys. That uh, Steel Cage match, there were only four of us that had 
more than eight years of experience. Everybody else was two years and below. You look at guys like Alex Kane, he's learned a lot uh, going through VCW. I think it's a big confidence booster for some people too when you're able to go out and just say, hey, here's what we, here's what we want out of you. Here's the ball, run with it. And that's uh, what Mako and Kane and Pierce were able to do at VCW uh, under the upper echelon with myself and Josh. Uh, we knew what those guys could do. And we told them, here's what we want. Go out and do it. And you look at now Mako's all over the place. You look at Alex Kane. Alex Kane now is on everybody's radar. Shane Mako needs to be there uh, as well. And so does Christian Pierce. I think uh, Christian, with the pandemic and, of course, the controversy with his statements on uh, Facebook, hindered him. But he was able to come back from that. And uh, with the locker room at VCW, it's very diverse. It's one of the most diverse locker rooms uh, around. So is ProSouth. Uh, there's always some back and forth. You know, somebody doesn't like somebody here. Somebody doesn't like somebody here. But there's, there's a big enough table and there's big enough room. Everybody should be able to eat at that table. And I think that VCW has helped those guys out. What they're doing at the Gadsden Mall right now, it's, it's big. I mean, if they can pull this off, it's going to be huge. Because it being the Gadsden Mall, and uh, there being a new bowling alley over there, uh, them just redoing the cinemas uh, with all the traffic that they're trying to bring into Gadsden, I think it will be huge for a lot of the young guys. And it's an opportunity where everybody can come in. You had Eric Silva, former Pro South champion, 662 days as Pro South champion, come in and wrestled smooth. He was there. We had Spiral come in. We had uh, Trevor Eon come in. Uh, Doom. We've had uh, Micah Taylor was there that that event. You know, it's just if you can keep your roster. Just go in, just occasionally bring in people. And as long as those guys that you bring in do not bury your talent that you have, that's your core talent, your uh, homegrown talent, if you will, then that means something. And to go out and have matches with people from other promotions, you know, champions at other places, to able to come in and let them do what they do. Because hey, you don't know if somebody's going to fail unless you let them fail. Right. I think Pro South is an amazing jumping off point for a lot of people to kind of, you know, figure out what they want to do. With them being every Friday night being televised, if you mess up, well, you've got next week that you can do something about it. You can either, you know, get bitter or get better. And if you want to get better, then the next week you can come out and have a better match. You can come out and tell a better story. With VCW, they filmed two shows on one taping. So let's say that you have a bad match. Well, then you can turn around and have a great promo during the second half, or you can have a match in the first half and then turn around and do a promo reacting to how uh, what had happened. It just gives you a lot to work with when you're able to film multiple uh, shows and then put them out and space them out. And it also helps out with the editing, which is, you know, a tremendous thing. Right. So, you know, mentioning ProSouth, you know, ProSouth, the longevity of ProSouth is pretty amazing. You know, yes, absolutely. For the number of years that they had. And you take everybody who's anybody in the, in the, in the state, especially you know, almost in the southeast, has passed through Pro South at some time, and they have benefited from that weekly opportunity, like you know, like you just brought up, you know, that that chance to run weekly angles and promos and building things up like that. Why do you think Pro South doesn't get the respect that it deserves from a lot of people? Without naming names, that's because a lot of people don't like Ace Haven. Like you look at Shane Knowles, what he does at Peach State, everybody loves Shane. Shane has great talent too, but Pro South is hindered because of everybody's what they think of Ace Haven. I mean, uh, every, everybody wants to be in Ace Haven's business. It's always about drama. You know, anytime Ace farts, somebody wants to know what it smells like. Right. And I think that's also a testament to why they've lasted so long is because of Ace. But it, the, I think the only thing that falters Pro South is what everybody thinks of Ace Haven. Well, not everybody, what a lot of people do. I don't want to say everybody, because I love Ace Haven to death. Ace has been nothing but good to me. I mean, I, you know, me too. Years, every every project I've ever done, you know, the, the Twin States wrestling experiment, uh, you know, he helped me in every step of the way of that. Uh, love the guy. At the same time, I understand why some people don't in those in those instances. And and it's, what's funny is even Ace understands that a lot of times. You know, Ace knows why certain people don't like him sometimes. But in in this big exchange that went on here a few months ago that all stemmed from Christian Pierce's ordeal, it was said um, 
there was no comparison between Pro South and another Alabama promotion. And I don't know. I just, I've, being somebody that worked at Pro South for a long time and still considers that my home promotion, for lack of a better word, I just found that really insulting. Like, how can anybody say that there's no comparing Pro South to any promotion in the state? I mean, they've been around, besides Mickey Henry, they've been around longer than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they they have produced more talent or at least, you know, um, helped more talent, you know, get out there and make a name for themselves and learn the business than anybody else. So I don't know. I found that to be very insulting to insinuate that Pro South is less than, you know, any other promotion in, in Alabama. Well, everybody that New Level uses it started off at Pro South, with the exception of Stephen Michaels, who started off at SOW with uh with Jack Lord. Right. Like you look around that that entire roster has Pro South written all over it. I mean, I I, I know exactly the exchange you're talking about because uh, uh by the time I jumped into it, it was too late. I was like, ah, everybody said everything I was going to say. But besides, you know, fuck Chris Crump. But also, you know what that was? That was whenever GCW went under. When that happened, when the controversy happened with Mad Dog, there was a huge vacuum of who was the top because there was no doubt in anybody's mind GCW out of Pell City was the number one Alabama promotion. That's why everybody tried to get on there. That's why it was so hard for some of the younger guys because, you know, a lot of the older guys had been there for some time. Right. And with all the young talent coming through, they had somewhere they had to go. They went to New Level. Some stayed at Pro South. Pro South become this its own entity because of that too. Leaving losing, you know, Sheen Christopher like they did losing uh, Donnie Janella, having Donnie go up there, Cabana Mandan working mostly with New Level, but they've more than adequate, adequ- adequately filled that uh, spot in those holes. Pro South has. And you know the thing is, and. I just, you know, I want to say, you know, I'm not trying to bury anybody here. I've got friends in all the promotions. You know, I consider, I've been friends with Dump Sanders for years. I've been friends with Ace Hayden for years. Both guys have said things that I don't agree with. Both guys know my opinions of some of the things they've said and done that I don't agree with. I've worked, I was on the very first New South show. I worked for them for a good while. Got nothing against them. So this isn't my personal bitch or anything. Um, well, I said new level. I meant new south. Sorry. Yeah, new south. Man. Yeah, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, trickster. Yeah, sorry, trickster, faith. Um, oh yeah, faith. Sorry, faith too. Yeah. But you know, it almost. I think one thing that did hinder uh, Pro South for a long time was there wasn't as much of a turnover there as they needed. You had guys that were there for years and years and years and years, and so. I really think it helped Pro South grow for some of those guys to go away. They weren't going to just volunteer to get rid of them, but you know when those guys that you just mentioned went away, it opened up spots for other guys to step up, you know, and take on a bigger role and have bigger matches than they had before. So I don't even think that really had to be a bad thing. I think there comes nope. a time where guys nope. do need to move on and go to do other things and. You know, and when they come back, the fans will be ready to see them again. When you see the same guys week in and week out for years, maybe it is time to go somewhere else. And I just, I think it sucks that everything always has to be so fucking combative amongst everybody. Um, we all know it's wrestling. It's never going to be kumbaya. Everybody gets along. We all have, you know, one big show and everybody likes each other. But there was some hateful shit said, you know, back and forth in that whole exchange that really was not good for the fans. And you could not take it back. That's what I was, I was like, no, take you it can't back. take it back. I deleted it, but it's, it's still been said. It's still out there. The feelings are still hurt. And that's why I, I never commented. I had some strong feelings, but I didn't comment on it because I was like, okay, guys, take this shit somewhere else. Like fans do not need to see how goddamn petty <laughs> all their all of us are <laughs> all of us are I think people but it's an ego thing to see I, I think it was more of an ego thing because of them going after christian because that with christian had already been handled uh myself amy and william huckabee had already talked to christian then some shit pops off for a post that happened in march or february like they dug through his facebook to find that that wasn't like a recent comment or, uh, that was said. And, you know, he said it. He said, I don't understand transsexuals. He said, I just wasn't brought up that way. He's conservative. He's a he's a Trump supporter. You know, I, I, I don't support Trump, but, I mean, I can't hate the guy for that, for his political views, especially like everybody deserves a chance. I think a lot of people took 
hate speech for difference of opinion. I think that was a big thing. And all of us were in our, all of us were juiced up at that time because a lot of us were stuck at home. You know, some people lost their jobs. Some people had no idea where they were, how they were going to get paid. You know, right. uh, a lot of people, you take wrestling away from a lot of people. They got to take the anger out some way. You know, this is what some, this is all that some people have. They don't have an outlet for anything else. And uh, I think it just comes down to just ego. I mean, it was. It was all just a big pissing, dick-swinging contest. And like I said, it was unfortunate because, like I said, I was friends, or am friends with people on both sides of that fence. Uh, you know, um, Chris Crunk did stir that shit up. You know, you said, fuck Chris Crunk a couple times a night. I don't personally, like, I don't know. Like, I don't have nothing against the guy. He's never done it to me directly other than... Um, I made a post towards Sean Christopher as a joke when I made a joke about them being uh, about Crump threatening. Suicide. Oh, the suicide. Yeah. I, made it I was wondering what you thought about was. that. The joke. I was, was wondering what you thought about that of everybody. I was like, Oh boy. Yeah. The joke was I put, yeah, you should call yourself since your, your leader Crump threatens to commit suicide today. Y'all can change y'all's name to Akuto suicide squad. And, and the joke was it's ASS. You know, I did that to pop Scott Hensley because I knew he would find that juvenile humor funny. And then all of a sudden, Chris Crump shares it and says, uh, I'm making a joke of suicide and mental health. And then he immediately deleted me before he posted it. And then somebody brought it to my attention. So then I screenshotted it and shared it and basically said, fuck him, because I had a brother that committed suicide. And I don't think it's good to use it as a fucking wrestling gimmick or as a goddamn joke and fuck him for doing it. But I'm not still mad about it. If I had to work a show with Chris Crump next weekend, we don't have to fight about it. If he wanted to, if he wants to have a conversation about it, I'm more than happy to. Um, but, it, you know, it's not like an ongoing feud or anything. But um, he is the one that stirred that whole shit storm up when he shared those posts, like you said, from months ago. Uh -huh. So that agitated me. And then the suicide things agitated me. And then he deleted me and shared that thing. And so... That's the only person that I've lashed out at in the last few months. Other than that, I've played pretty nice with people. So proud of myself. But and I figured yeah, that's always good. <laughs> I figured most people when they saw, oh shit, Gene Jackson and Wicked Nemesis are doing a podcast tonight. Shut it down. Oh, they, uh, you know, you know for a fact they thought we were going to bury everybody. We're going to bury everybody. So I thought we were pretty nice tonight. We mentioned a few things here and there, but overall. I thought it was pretty nice. And our last few minutes of the conversation, we both spoke of how we wished all that shit hadn't been said, but it did. Oh, absolutely. Because I love the guys at New Level, except for Chris and Dump. I like Brandon. I love Stephen Michaels. I love Donnie. I'm so proud of Donnie going out and doing what he did. And you were talking about the vacuum, you know, of uh, them never wanting to leave and then leaving in that hole of uh, talent opening up. And it's a testament to Ace. Ace was able to go out and just restock his roster, I think, better than ever. I think right now this is the best Pro South roster that's ever existed. And there's been some great Pro South rosters. Ace does a really good job. And again, he doesn't get credit for, for building talent slowly, you know, with that mm -hmm. using that weekly format to build a guy, you know, slow. Like my nephew, uh, Britt Jackson, you know, the way he developed his character over a course, you know, we did an angle that went over a year. And you know, me and Uncle Gene was being a shithead to him for, for a year. And when he finally turned babyface on me and Jed Johnson, it was one of the loudest pops I've ever heard. They fucking erupted, you know. And um, he's gone on to do a completely different gimmick now that he does great. And I think it suits his personality better. He likes yeah, it. I think better. the mongrel's amazing. He, he was never really invested in the whole, you know, movie star gimmick, but he did it to the best of his ability. And I think that's a testament to him. And the mongrel is tremendous. And like I said, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I love a lot of those guys on the new South roster and I don't dumps never do anything to me. I understand why the people who don't like him don't like him. Just like he understands why the people who don't like me. Don't like me. I don't mean we have to disagree about it, but I love the guys in the new South uh, roster. I love the guys in the pro South roster. The guys that I know from VCW are all great. And so, Again, you know, everybody don't have to run a show together. Everybody don't have to be best friends and send each other Christmas cards. Yep. But goddamn, I wish people would just quit tearing each other down and, you know, trying to make it harder on everybody than it has to be. There's enough room at this table for everybody to sit and eat. 
There's there's so much money to be made right now. To me, right now, wrestling is the best it's ever been. No offense to any other generation before, but I think that right now there's so much money. There's so much talent out there. Like, look at Peach State. You look what Peach State's doing, just coming back and running in Heflin this Saturday. Peach State's running in Heflin, not where they'd normally run. And I, even with them only able to fit 200 people in that armory, they're going to pack it out because people are waiting for it. People have been waiting to see what Peach State brings back to the table because of their last show was such a tremendous hit. And then for it to just be closed down like that, and you look at the talent he has there. I think Shane Marks is one of the most underrated guys in the last 20 years in wrestling. You've got you know Mako there. You've got uh, Sheen Christopher coming over there. You've got Ace there, Damon Serotone. Uh, the way that Shane is able to, because everybody likes Shane, he's able to bring together a lot of people that don't get along. And you know, like you just don't do anything at Shane shows. That's just yeah. one of those things. Like no matter how much heat you have with somebody, you just you just don't. Yeah, don't don't be a shithead at Shane show. Really, I, man. The opportunities that I've got to do commentary with Shane at New Level has been some of the most fun I've ever had in the business. Uh, Shane's just an awesome guy. And rolls with the punches. I mean, and, and just uh, me and him and uh, O'Shea Edwards got to call a a Royal Rumble match. That's what they called it. Where it was like it was like a Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah. Some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. We had a freaking ball doing that. And uh, I hope I get a chance to get to go uh, go work for Shane sometime. But he is he's a super yeah, guy. Shane's amazing. Uh, we're definitely winning commentators of the year. I know that. Uh, Southern Honor has an amazing uh, commentary team, but I'm sorry, the jokes. We we could very easily go inside baseball with what we say, and it's very hard as two active guys like we are. Right. Uh, it's very hard to do that, but I think that our commentary, because our commentary is made, because we know not everybody has two hours to sit down and watch a show, but if we say something, to entertain somebody that is doing something else or is watching the show that makes them go back and rewind it, then we've done our job. And I think a lot of the commentary we do, we put everybody over like, yeah, we have our jokes, we have our puns, uh, but it's related to what we're doing. You go and listen to some of the commentary, and I know they're like, oh, you're not a stand-up comedian. You know, there's too much comedy and commentary. I think we tread that line very closely, but I think that we do not cross that line because everybody knows on commentary, I'm not going to go out and bury anybody. I do more of the Bobby Heenan, like it'll be a joke about something stupid. It'll be a joke about this, like the, the whole gimmick with nobody bullies James but me. That was just something that was offhanded, and then it turned into this big thing. I mean, that's just how it is. Like uh, Mako, all the monarchs, like the mulatto monarch, uh, all the monikers I give him was just something off the top of my head. We've ran with it. I think that what Ace and Damien have done, as a tag team, being able to call some of those matches, being able to call Joe Black and William Huckabee's matches, Black Lariat's Matter. Uh, it's just, it's great. I can go out there and I can, it, we help the storyline, every single commentary. And yes, we do have our snafus on audio sometimes, uh, audio going in and out. But when you do it every week and it's constantly there, you know, you have so much footage where you can find something. And I'm always, it's always great when you see somebody that has taken a gif of something and put your commentary with it because they know that it adds to what you're doing, whether it be a reaction. I don't think that every drop kick, every punch needs a, Oh my God. Or, you know, how did he do this? But there's sometimes it's needed. Yeah. Selective. You know, if, if everything's the greatest move of all time, then nothing's the greatest move of all time. Exactly. Um, yeah. I've watched a lot of it and I, I, I always enjoy you guys. It's, uh, it's great stuff and it definitely adds to the show. It doesn't take away from the show. And, uh, it makes it more entertaining. So, yeah, you guys definitely deserve to win, no question. So, well, man, the hour. I guess we have to fight now. everybody. Yeah, uh, you will, but I think you guys can handle it. You're pretty tough dudes, so I think y'all can handle it. But, man, this hour has flown by, so uh, we're gonna have to wrap up this first episode of Cheap Eat TV Live. Wicked, man, it's been a pleasure having you on. It's been great talking to you, and uh, hope to have you on again in the future. There's plenty more subjects we can we can speak on. You can tell by my face, I've been drinking and I'm high as hell. So I apologize for that. My ugly face has been right up on here constantly. I'm blind without my glasses. Nobody's seeing me with my glasses on. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, thank you for having me on this first episode. I hope that whoever follows this is better than me because good luck with some of the stuff we talked about. Hey, it's been great, man. Like I said, we, we, we didn't duck anything, but we did, it wasn't a burial like a lot of people would have predicted. Our, our, our overwhelming message at the end was, 
everybody there's a, there's a big enough table for everybody. You said it exactly. So if you don't take anything else away from tonight, take away the great story of Whippy kicking Paul Lee's ass because hashtag fuck Paul Lee. And second, take away that the table is big enough for everybody, and we all should just get along and treat each other better than we do. But hey, it's wrestling. It is what it is. So. Again, thanks, Wicked. We will be looking to have you on in the future and uh, keep kicking ass at Pro South, BCW, Peach State. Peach else? State, the, Peach State this Saturday. There you go. Get out there. All right, brother. Take it easy, and we'll catch you. Thank you, time. sir. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Thanks. All right, folks. So uh, we also want to mention that Cheap Heat TV Live is brought to you by our sponsor, EPW Wrestling in Booneville, Mississippi. They've got a big show coming up this Saturday night, fresh off their big uh, Halloween show last night. Tonight, I might be doing some commentary. I might be doing some backstage promos. I might wrestle. I don't know. Who knows? But I'm going to be there, and I'm going to check it out. And I'm going to try to get an exclusive James Ellsworth promo for uh, the fans here of Cheap Heat TV. So be watching for that next week. But... For now, thank you for listening to the first show, whether you're watching it here on video or you're listening to the audio podcast on Anchor. One more time, thank you to my guest, The Wicked Nemesis. The interview was great, just like I knew it would be. Thank you all for listening. Please share. Please like us on Facebook. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, share it with a friend so we can uh, get this podcast out there and... uh, I want to use this, as I always have in all my wrestling podcasts, as a means to promote independent wrestling, independent wrestlers, independent promotions. I want it to be a positive thing. We're not going to sit here and bury people every week. Uh, We didn't do that tonight. You know, we said a few things that a few people might not like, but overall, it was positive. So, like I said, share it with a friend, spread the word. 